How many of you ask for directions when you're lost? Just informal poll here. I see a lot of women's hands going up. A few men, okay. You know, most men are pretty notoriously bad at asking for directions, right? Even with GPS, okay? We're like, no, I'm not lost. I'm just still looking. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to look at a passage that involves several different kinds of men, each of whom needed directions in their life, but with different responses. Turn to Matthew chapter 1 in your Bible, beginning in verse 18. As you're turning there, I'll just give a little backstory. The first character in this story is Joseph. Uh, he was in the predicament of his life. You see, his fiance was pregnant, but he wasn't the father. He was so troubled that he couldn't even speak to anybody about it at all. Then there were the wise men from the east who had followed a, a supernatural kind of a star all the way to Jerusalem. And then there was this man, King Herod, who asked for directions to see the king of the Jews, but for a very different reason. My question as we start today is, are you facing some kind of a situation that's perplexing? Meaning you don't know what to do. You need direction. You've been trying as hard as you can to answer the question or questions in your mind and heart, but you just keep feeling like you're hitting a dead end. And some of you have come this morning just hoping, praying that God would give you a sign, that he would communicate with you and give you the directions that you're looking for. You know, one of the key reasons that Jesus came on that very first Christmas was to provide us direction in life. And the good news is that this didn't just happen in the days of the Bible. It still happens today, and God wants to communicate with you. There's a simple outline in your bulletin that I'd like to encourage you to follow along. God wants to connect with us. In fact, for some of you, reconnect. But he wants to do so, so much that he does three things. The first one is this, and that he's, he'll supply us with signs. Look with me at this account from the Bible beginning in chapter, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. As Joseph approached that very first Christmas, he was in deep turmoil, or as we would say here, he was in deep kimchi. He knew what God's word said in the Old Testament law of Moses about people that had relations before they were married. Not just the woman, but the men were to have been put to death. It was a brutal kind of a situation. But he also knew his bride-to-be. He knew Mary. He knew what kind of girl she was. So he was perplexed. But you know, I imagine it doesn't take that much to imagine what was going on in his mind, the quandary he was in. Even if the story that she had told him about that angel of the Lord visiting her and telling her that she was going to be expecting but from the Holy Spirit, even if that was true, who else was going to believe her or really him? The Bible says that they were pledged to one another. The old King James says betrothed, which is an old-fashioned word. It, It really means, and this was the case in that culture in that day, when you got engaged and you were betrothed, it was as serious to break that off as it would be to get divorced. And so, after probably racking his brain, he decided that the best thing to do was, as the Bible tells us, to divorce her quietly. He needed God's help. But you know, when Joseph was at his lowest, God sent him a sign. The Bible tells us that an angel came to him in a dream and spoke to him. This was faster than email, folks. This was email. God communicated directly with him to confirm the truth of Mary's story. But he also assured Joseph that he didn't have to be afraid. He didn't have to be afraid of the inevitable gossip that would happen in a small town. How their reputation and character would be slandered and so forth. But when he woke up, that to me was the crucial point. Because you see, he had a decision to make as to whether or not he was going to believe and trust in the fact that God had communicated with him what to do. But you know, once he did, once he decided to do that, God gave him the confidence he needed to go forward. And of course, the whole course of human history was changed for the better because he did. Do you believe that God still supplies signs for us today? I believe that he does. Statistics point out that In in spite of the fact that we live in a fairly skeptical, even cynical kind of culture, most people, in particular people that are going through a hard time, believe that there is a way or there are ways that God can communicate with us when we sincerely reach out to him. 
The bigger question to me is, how about you personally? Maybe you think, well, God does this for other people, but how about you personally? Do you believe God cares enough about you that when you're seeking him for direction, that he's able and willing to give you a sign? Now, God was with Joseph the entire time. But it was when he decided to do what God had shown him to do that he received the confidence necessary to go forward in faith. God is with you. God is with us today. But if you want to be able to walk forward in that same kind of hope that Joseph did, you need to be willing to act on the sign or the signs that God gives you. But God not only supplies us with signs, he speaks to us from Scripture. You know, God communicated the news of Jesus' birth to actually quite a few people. While Joseph was experiencing what he was, God sent a different kind of a sign to this group of men called the Magi from the East. Let's, let's read this account together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the East and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another road. These magi were fairly mysterious people. What's intriguing to me is they most often determined their directions by looking at the stars. They would be what we call today astrologers. So these were not people that were familiar with the Holy Scripture of God, except maybe from a distance. Now, how they concluded that this unusual cosmic occurrence was a signal that the king of the Jews was born is really basically unknown to us today. What's interesting to me is that in spite of the obstacles that they had, because by the way, most scholars believe they came from the area of Persia, which we would call Iran today. That's a long way 
to go. Despite these obstacles, these guys, just like Joseph, knew that unless they responded to what the first signs were, they wouldn't get further direction. What's amazing to me is how differently that this fellow King Herod responded. This man was a person that ruled in Jerusalem at that time. He called himself, by the way, the king of the Jews. Well, these magi showed up, and assuming that he would be able to help them, the magi asked him for directions, and Herod, as he should have done, went to the leaders, the priests, the teachers of the law, and asked them, what does the scripture say about this? And they quoted the prophet from 700 years earlier, the prophet Micah saying that the king of the Jews would, in fact, be born in a little town called Bethlehem. But, you know, unlike these strangers, this fellow Herod had a very different motive. He said he wanted to go and worship him, but, in fact, he did not. God apparently sent these magi another sign that they should not go back. They went back to their home country in a different way. And Herod, in his rage, ended up killing all the baby boys under three years old in and around Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, rather than admitting that the scripture was true and submitting to it. You know, the stark contrast between the responses of the wise men and this man, Herod, to me, still exists today. It's so ironic to me that there are people like Herod who are familiar with the scripture, believe that it can give directions to life, and yet when confronted with it, many times they don't want to believe in it. They don't recognize it and respect it as the word of God. Yet on the other hand, there are those like these foreign astrologers that when they hear even bits and pieces of scripture that they come to faith in God through it as they put their faith in one sign and then they understand it a little bit more from the scriptures and then they move forward to actually committing themselves to God. It's fascinating to me. What about you? Do you believe that God wants to speak to you from the pages of the Bible? You know, that's why we call it God's word. is because that's the primary way that God communicates with us today. Now, I've talked to some people over the years, and I imagine this would be exciting to get a supernatural sign. And yet... The problem with signs is that they are ultimately subjective in nature, meaning we can't always tell if some, if some sign we see is truly a message from God or not, whereas the Bible is an objective source of truth. In fact, it's the objective source of truth that we have today. Look at what the prophet Jeremiah, who himself was a prophet of God, said about the difference between a sign, meaning like a dream, 
and God's word. He said, let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain? But you know, God does not only supply us with signs and speak to us from Scripture. God sent Jesus to save us from our sins. You know, when Mary gave birth to that little baby, she and Joseph named him Jesus. If you didn't know, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. Which, by the way, was a common word, or excuse me, a common name in Israel at that time. But you see, this family didn't name their son Joshua out of tradition. They named him because his name meant something. It means he will save his people from their sins. See, the Bible teaches that sin is a genetic defect that all human beings have. The Bible teaches in so many words that we are all S-I-N positive. It's a fatal condition, but there's one cure, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. The good news of Christmas, you see, is that because Jesus came, we can have our sins forgiven. I'm going to ask the ushers to bring communion at this time because this is an ideal time for us to thank God for the forgiveness he offers in Jesus. But as the ushers come, I want to just ask you another question before we close today, and that's this. What situation are you facing that you need directions for? Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe a job or lack of a job situation. Maybe a health concern. Maybe a relational situation. I, I don't know, but God knows. And I want to assure you that God wants to communicate with you are you willing to ask him for direction? Let me remind those of you who have not committed your lives to Jesus Christ, though. Although God does want to solve your problem, your situation that you're in, he needs to solve the sin problem first. And, you know, what better time than the Lord's Supper or what we call communion to ask God to cleanse your life, to be your leader, and to lead you in that path that he wants you to go. Our custom here at Kamiki Christian is to hold the bread and the fruit of the vine until all of them served, and then we'll eat and drink together. Father, we thank you for choosing to leave the glory of heaven, to become a man. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, of coming to you, of worshiping you. Help us never take it for granted. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's eat and drink together.